Cynic Empowerment. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Cynic Empowerment. Welcome to Cynic Empowerment, everyone. My name is Tim Carpenter. And I'm Jimmy Horn. We welcome you today. This, of course, is our podcast about all things sad in the world. But, of course, we're looking for that all-important silver lining. So thank you for joining us today. Another shout-out. We want to thank Julia. Yes. Julia, uh, we are once again taking a little bit of recommendation advice from Julia. Uh, We're going to go over a couple of topics that she submitted to us, so thank you so much. Anybody out there that would like to submit a topic to us, we are more than happy to talk about it. We would love to talk about things that you are interested in, so help us build this community, and uh, we'll get this started. So uh, what are we going to talk about today, Jimmy? So today, we are going to talk about the rise of nerd culture, how nerddom has become cool and mainstream and through that discuss maybe some of the uh the positives and perhaps some of the negatives of this transformation that's happened over the last 40 years or so geeks are kind of a weird thing geeks and nerds and the terms are not necessarily interchangeable uh in my research i found that it was there was a clear distinction on some lines Mm -hmm. but for the most part the terms were at, at least you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, pejorative. People were right. used disparagingly. You didn't want to be a geek. You didn't want to be a nerd. Absolutely. What happened? You know, what's what's going on? What happened? I, uh, well, from what I, the resources that I looked at, uh, one of them was actually, are you familiar with the comedian Patton Oswalt? Oh, definitely. I love that guy. So he wrote an interesting article uh, several years back because he was a uh, self-acclaimed nerd. And I think what kind of set it apart uh, between nerd culture now and nerd culture back in the 80s when he was a young adult uh, experiencing nerdy things uh, is that in order to find nerdy things back then without the advent of the internet you kind of had to search it out you had to know where to go to get your niche comic books and obtain your copy of dungeons and dragons and even the the post-punk music seemed to be of what a lot of nerds listened to at the time of knowing where to get those cassettes it 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 seemed like you had to to search these things out and also there just wasn't as much nerdy content uh, being advertised as well. So the content you did have, you had to really like dig deep into it because it's what you had and you had to wait until something else got issued later on. So the knowledge was uh, specific and very deep because of this. Absolutely. And, and that's probably what has become the positive aspect of nerddom today. People recognize how involved geeks and nerds are in the things that they enjoy or are interested in so they want to be associated with that level of interest and competency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not always what it was. Of course, mm-hmm. once upon a time, uh, geeks were something entirely different. And if you want to take it way, way back in the 19th century, uh, geek actually was a terrible thing to be called. Absolutely atrocious. Really? Do you know anything about the origins of the geek? I, I, I have zero knowledge. 
Oh man, I am I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind I'm with this. This is some great stuff. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, oh, no. For those of you with weak stomachs, please turn oh, it off. Oh, God. Really? It's that bad? It's bad. It's oh, bad. no. Yeah. So uh, this term, uh, geek, that is G-E-E-K, originates from the English dialect word geck, G-E-C-K. Okay. Now, that initially meant a fool or a freak. Uh, from uh, that, which originated from the low middle Germanic term, uh, and is still commonly used in modern times. So, if somebody calls you a geek in uh, in lower middle uh, German areas, uh, be offended because it's not a good thing. It's still not a good thing. Uh, in 18th century Austria, uh, as well as 19th century North America, geeks were typically circus freaks. Okay. So. They would be expected to perform a very particular type of act in which they would stand in the middle of a ring and around them would be released various animals. Now, there are two different types of animals that are typically released, but most commonly it's a chicken. Okay, so you've got these chickens that run around this this geck, right? Yeah. This geck, uh, who unfortunately so happened to either be stereotypically an alcoholic or addicted to some type of drug. They would pay them with alcohol or narcotics in order to get them to do this act in which they would stand in the middle of the ring, the chickens would run around them, they would catch the chickens, and then they would bite the heads off of the chickens. What? Absolutely ridiculous. And sometimes the chicken was replaced with a snake. I'm so confused. It doesn't really make any sense to me either. Like, I don't understand what's so entertaining about that. Yeah. Like, this seems like the worst of frat culture. It's like what I imagine, like, the most worst evil, just testosterone-filled frat party to just be like, oh, we're going to get Jeffrey, like, super drunk. And we're yeah. gonna see if we can get them to bite the head off this chicken. It's gonna be so cool. Like I just don't understand, and I also don't understand how it could be such a commonplace thing that they had a word for it. Like if it yeah. happened like one time, and we're like, dude, that was crazy. But the fact that it happened enough that they had to create a word, like, oh, what are we gonna call these guys? The uh, chicken head bi- geek. Yeah, we'll call geek. them the geeks. The geeks. <laughs> That's it. What the fuck? I had no idea. But geek, geek means freak. Geek is freak. I mean, it rhymes, so I guess it makes sense a little bit. But I'm still just like, I don't understand how the word geek could have changed so much. I mean, I realize it's been a long time. A lot of time has passed, but I just, I don't, well, I don't know. Up until, I guess, the, the 90s, geek was still very much a disparaging term. Not, not directly associated with somebody who would be willing to bite off a chicken or a snakehead for God. alcohol or drugs. But by the same token, are are odd, very odd, to the degree that you would probably look at them from a distance, grimace, and then try not to make eye contact with them. Mm-hmm. Like the these the derisive, like you, you don't you don't want to hang around with this kind of person. They're socially shunned. Right. The lepers of the society. Yeah. Um, and you know that's unfortunately. Uh, you know, had had been the case up until the modern day. And that's what we're talking about in this episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this rise of nerddom. It's suddenly become popular. It, uh, yes. In early 2000s, I think, is really when it hit its stride. 
you have a lot of people who started adopting certain fashions and that's typically how it goes, right? Like if you are going to have a new cultural wave, you got to have some new clothes to go with it, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the horn rim glasses. Fucking hipsters. The stereotypical thing. Ah, I'm glad you brought that up because hipster in the modern day is almost interchangeable with the word geek, at least in the mainstream culture. Yeah, <laughs> at least in the way they show them. Yeah, the appearance, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. They got the horn rim glasses. Uh, they've got an iPhone or some kind of technology. Yeah. And they call it like their pocket tablet. Or some kind, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Uh, got their high water trousers. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I heard reference, and I'm not a huge sports fan. Uh, so some of our listeners out there uh, that actually know some of the players that had done this, let us know because I would I would be interested in finding some of these some of these interviews. A lot of NBA players uh, would wear the the fake horn trim glasses, the ones that sometimes didn't even have lenses in them during their post game interviews. Just like, yeah. what, appear smarter? I, I guess. If they're associating uh, geeks or people who wear glasses, especially thick horn-rimmed glasses, as being intelligent or competent, which I, I really do think that's why it's become uh, a, a term of endearment or a, uh-huh. a term of positivity rather than this disparaging pejorative that it once was. Mm-hmm. Because people recognize it. Our world is becoming ever more specialized. Yep. And the more specialized you become, uh, the more niche you are, the more important your role is ultimately in you know, what, what you're doing in society. Okay, you're not as replaceable if you have niche knowledge that is hard to replicate. Absolutely. Uh, and tech, uh, the tech industry in particular, which has been booming uh, since, I don't know, the, the 80s and you know, right. so on and so forth. Microsoft and Apple and all that. Silicon Valley's and all this kind of stuff uh, that is closely related with with geek culture. And I think a lot of young people, a lot of people in general recognize just how important that field is to the progression of our lives today. Mm -hmm. We depend on it almost entirely to to make this podcast. uh, We 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 commonly use an application in which Jimmy and I uh, he he lives in a different state. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Than I do. Uh, so we are able to produce this podcast uh, and at, at the the uh, extreme budget that we are because of the technology that's been produced by these geeks. So thank you, geeks. Yeah, thank you, geeks, for our free uh, programs that we use to make and produce this show. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the ads. We just we just right. want the product. <laughs> Thank you for your free labor. We appreciate it. Um, now, yeah. what you got, Jimmy? Um, I, I I'm just looking at some of the quotes of different things that I saw. Uh, so basically, I didn't write this quote down, but it's basically making the argument, uh, Pat Oswalt, that the internet is kind of a great equalizer in niche knowledge because originally. Uh, his argument was that something that set nerds apart was having like in-depth, like thick, juicy knowledge about a subject just because you've entrenched yourself so deeply in it. But now uh, niche knowledge is a Google search away. 
Like, if you wanted to be, like, know very obscure, specific facts about any kind of fandom that you are a part of, you could find it out immediately and become, like, a quote-unquote expert in that field if you wanted to be in, let's say, Lord of the Rings or uh, Housewives of Atlanta or any other thing that you're all about. Um, And so... and he kind of makes the argument that that's kind of a sad thing. I don't know. Uh, I uh, Sometimes I, I wonder if people that were nerds prior to the internet have a nostalgia factor of uh, our minds tend to think of things in the past as being better in general because a lot of them seem to be, I don't know, almost teary-eyed thinking about like how good nerd culture was prior to the advent of the internet. And that's us having unlimited access to it now kind of taints it in a way in where like something that would have been niche and nerdy 40 years ago uh goes up on youtube gets five million views instantly and a week later they're using this what should have been a niche nerdy thing to advertise oatmeal in a commercial so i guess from that aspect i can kind of see how the waters have been muddied and our nerdiness and culture and the nerd culture is is being used to just another commercial tool (laughs) i guess Mm. yeah Uh, that's a that's a very good point uh to to watch this thing that you have found solace in just become a tool of mass media Mm -hmm. uh, essentially to to sell oatmeal yes absolutely excellent good way to put it are you familiar with the author julia smith Name sounds familiar. I can't say one thing that they wrote, but tell me. Well, relatively unimportant. If you are interested in in nerd culture and the development of uh, a lot of that, the, the, I guess, more prolific writers in that era, uh, mainly in the 80s, then take a look at Julia Smith. To, to all our listeners out there. But the reason why I bring her up is because she has an absolutely excellent quote that sums up what it is to be a nerd or a geek or, or why uh, these individuals might turn towards technology in particular, mm-hmm. why, why they're so interested in it. So I'm going to take a moment to read that real quick. Yes, please. So Julia Smith says, Uh, Geeks are bright young men turned inward, poorly socialized, who felt little or no kinship with this planet, that he routinely traveled to the ones invented by his favorite authors, who thought of that secret, dreamy place his computer took him to as cyberspace, somewhere exciting, a place more real than his own life, a land he could conquer, not a drab teenager's room in his parents' house. Uh, and that's, that's, that's essentially, uh, the, the nerd in a nutshell, you know, mm-hmm. someone who found solace in imaginary worlds, whether it be through a computer or a role-playing game, mm-hmm. uh, some type of, um, academic endeavor, which to kind of, you know, segue into talking about nerds versus geeks, mm-hmm. uh, nerds seem to tend to be uh, that that seems to be a term that is still used pretty commonly uh, as a pejorative uh, in, in, in you know, negative connotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's because it's academically focused. Okay. Geeks, 
geeks are interested in things and they delve into the topics and, you know, they, they go full force. Uh, so that represents competency in a broad spectrum of interests. But nerds, on the other hand, tend to be academically focused. You know, they, they like information that is, for all intents and purposes, if you want to put it this way, more practical. Right. Uh, and I think for that reason, uh, people, they, they, they talk down to them. They, they think that it's, yeah, which, ha, which it doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense. Right? It doesn't make they sense. They think it'd be the other way around. It's like these people right. that procure useless knowledge are the ones that are smiled upon. But then the ones that are like inventing the internet and making free web-based apps are the ones that are seen with derision. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Do you remember the uh, our discussion that we had about Superman a couple episodes ago? I do. How could I forget? So let's let's look at nerds in that particular sense. Yeah, because Superman's nerds, a fucking nerd. Fuck him. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is the exact opposite of what a nerd could be. It, the, the nerd has these inherent flaws with their strengths. And the nerd, albeit academically inclined or able to focus their mind in such a way that they're able to uncover important aspects of their research that other people are not because they're able to devote so much of themselves to it mm-hmm. also fall short in other areas of life, namely social interactions. Mm-hmm. You know, Julia Smith's quote said that a lot of these, uh, a lot of these young men uh, have turned inward. I think that's the best way to put it. You know, they they are antisocial, and uh isolated mm-hmm. and not necessarily to say that you know like chicken before the egg right did society push them away or did they push themselves away mm-hmm. did they ever get to that that uh, that par tier of social uh interaction that they were able to discuss with people various topics and you know able to eventually bloom that social interaction into something that could be developed into other things, or did they take too much time learning how to code out the internet mm-hmm. or, or, or something to that degree rather than, you know, having a conversation with someone at a bar? Not that that's important in the least. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's overplayed. I, I think what's uh, interest well, interesting is that with things of the modern era, like the internet and stuff like that, you can kind of, your 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 nerdy enclave of the internet at home doesn't have to be a singular place. You can have an application such as Discord where you can have all of your friends on it and then talk with them, you know, collect your friends that also have niche knowledge and these things that you're into and just uh, interact with those individuals. So it's like you're antisocial in the sense that you don't want to go out into the quote-unquote real world and interact with people there. But at the same time, you can, you're still socializing, but like, I don't know, I don't know how to say if it's on a limited way, but like in a, uh, I guess people that already think and feel the exact same way that you do, (laughs) which I think is part of what makes nerd culture now not as lonely because like for this to go back to the eighties, you know, you didn't, you couldn't, if you were at home alone in your room, you didn't have the internet to like give you access to all your other nerdy friends, right? So you could only delve into yourself and delve into your books or what have you. But now you can 
you can be social in a way. I mean, is it anti? I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm having an internal debate in my head. If you're an antisocial person, if you're socializing with people in this limited way, I, I think it's a semblance of that. I, I think that face-to-face communication is the the pinnacle of human interaction. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, uh, how many steps away can you get from that before you become uh, antisocial? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're delivering, if you're talking on one-on-one, that's that's one. If you're talking to a group of people, say you're delivering a speech, that's that's a little bit further out. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's not quite as social. If mm-hmm. you are, say, talking to someone via uh, Skype or FaceTime, mm-hmm. that, that's that's still a little bit farther. You're not actually in person. There are some things that you're not going to know about the other person's environment right. or their body language because you can't see their entire person in front of you. Uh, and there are, there are these little quirks that are slowly diminished until you get to the point that you are communicating with people via a QWERTY keyboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I think you, you have your conversation that is elevated in a certain sense because you are able to say exactly what you want to say. You can uh, reread what you want to, change what you want to until you get that perfect message that you'd like to send and then you can communicate. It's a very slow and deliberate process. But hey, that's that's nerd for you, right? Yeah. They're, they're deliberate. Uh, they have uh, this this intent that is is so much stronger than that of the average individual. They and they don't need that motivation. It seems like a lot of that just it it comes from from inside. They're inwardly motivated peoples, mm-hmm. which that's something to be value, valued in and of itself. Being introspective. Um, yeah. Well, if all this in mind, Tim, talking about nerds, uh, are you a nerd? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, huh, that's difficult to say. If I'm, if I'm trying to put myself up against the nerd measuring stick, I would think I would fall short. Oh, you mean, oh, as opposed to nerd or geek. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Tim, are you a geek? Well, it it doesn't matter. Let's, let's use the terms interchangeably. We've already listed some of the differences between the two. So yeah. Are you a, a neek or a gerd? A gerd. (laughs) I like gerd. I don't know, Tim. We were having some conversation a little while before we started recording and I think you might be a nerd, dude. You think so? Okay. Um, well, I can think of at least five things off the top of my head that would make me think that you're at least like half nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll accept that. Is it because I make a podcast with my buddy? Uh, Is that? <laughs> no, I wasn't even going to use that one. I mean, I was okay. first going to like think of like uh, Magic the Gathering, which is a very yeah. nerdy thing. That is pretty. Um, and what? that's actually stereotypically listed as being. It, it, there, it seems like there's like this pentacle of of nerdy things you can do. And I think magic, the gathering is one of the five. Yeah. It's uh, and I don't think you've played Dungeons and Dragons, but you want to, or maybe you played once and it went poorly. I, I've, I've played a couple of times in my life, a handful of times. Okay. It never quite went the way that we wanted it to, but that was because our play group didn't have the experience that yeah. we, we needed a DM. Hey, those of you out there that play Dungeons and Dragons, respect your DMS. They do so much work for you. Oh Yeah. They, it's ta- for you. Yeah, talking about free labor, uh, DMs do not get enough cred. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you when you have your DM sessions, if you have 
uh, a non-teetotaler attitude about your your DM session or your dungeons Dungeons and Dragons sessions, uh, bring them a bring them a six pack. Yeah, bring them a bottle of wine or something. Just do something. Anything to show you appreciate the time they they put into crafting that story for you guys. There's a lot of effort that goes into that sort of thing, but I digress. Um, yes. So that, so you've got that. So that's already like two super nerdy things. And then you've done something that was also really nerdy this past weekend that I didn't even interact with. I can't even remember what it's called. Absolutely. So it's a relatively new organization. It's about five years old. They call themselves the Armored Combat League, which is also associated with HEMA as well as the Society of Creative Anachronisms, uh, LARPing, if anybody's ever heard of that, live-action role-play. Uh, but Armored Combat League is, uh, is a little bit different in the sense that people will get dressed up in the, in the full medieval garb. They have, like, plate armor or mail or what have you, and they have weapons. This is all real steel, right? And they go into a ring, and they fight each other. It's full contact. It's it's like the uh, the sporty bro version of LARPing. Yeah, <laughs> I guess is the is the best way to put it. Absolutely fascinating. I would highly recommend anybody to try to get involved. There are chapters all around the nation. So hey, if you're around the DMV, you might actually see uh, some of the uh, DC Juggernauts, which happened to be the the team that I was hanging out with this past weekend. Great group of guys. Nice. Yeah, how about you, Jimmy? Are 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 you a nerd? Oh, are Jesus you- Christ, Tim! Do you even have to ask? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, like I might as well have like had like nerd like stamped on my tattoo when I was born. Like, I, not only like was I am I a nerd, but I was like raised by two nerds. Like, neither of my parents are like physically athletic in any sh- way, shape, or form, or care about sports. They're just, they both like read fantasy books for fun back when being a nerd wasn't cool and they raised me. And so, yeah, so I was just raised in that soup, okay. that primedial soup environment of nerdiness and, um, yeah. Uh, you indoctrinated into, into nerddom. Pretty much. Yeah. Like that's how we bonded. Right. Like I, I remember distinctly when my dad, when I was like four or five and I watched all the Star Wars movies with my dad and, you know, whenever, nice. uh new Marvel movie would come out, we'd always go as a family to go and see it. And I was kind of like the, our outings. So yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, bonding over a superhero flick, punching bad guys in the face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very good. Very good stuff. Yep. Uh, so something interesting that you brought up, you know, before we go on to our next topic, the aspect of social or social, excuse me, physical prowess and your likelihood that you're going to be a nerd because I've met a lot of nerds that were of the buff nerd category. You're kind of a buff nerd, Tim. I'm a buff nerd. And I, uh, there was a guy that I knew uh, in, um, in western Kentucky that I, I did some uh, mixed martial arts stuff with. Uh, and he, his great loves in life were Brazilian jiu-jitsu and World of Warcraft. That's an interesting combo. Oh, it was. And he was like – he was a little bitty guy. He was probably like – I don't know, five, five, two, five, three. Uh, and he was jacked. Like he was 145 pounds of 100% muscle. Like he was, right. Uh, he's a scary little guy. Yeah. Uh, but he was a nerd through and through. He would, he would talk for hours about, uh, you know, arm bars and leg locks uh-huh. or damage per second and area of effect. Uh, <laughs> 
You know, it was <laughs> it, it was great. Like I, I guess the two things kind of cross over. You know, you had some strategic involvement in both, and I can yeah. see how that mind would be attracted to both things. But there are buff nerds out there. Yeah, that's. That's totally something. I'm like just that. imagining him putting me in like a headlock and then it's like telling me like how much better his World of Warcraft character is than mine and like not yeah. being able to do anything about it. I'm a level 89 wizard, bitch. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I won't offend you ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dreams of being a buff nerd once and then I realized getting buff is really hard. And so. Well, for some folks, yeah. <laughs> you just got to drink a lot of milk. <laughs> oh my god! I tried that, and I like drank so much milk I puked once. And I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah, it wasn't like the the gallon milk challenge, was it? No, it wasn't. I this is not necessary information for anyone in the world. But I was oh. uh, trying to drink like two glasses of whole milk a meal to like up my calorie intake and protein intake, and uh, it didn't work out. So for those of you out there um, that don't know, Jimmy is is really tall, oh, and yeah. really skinny. Oh yeah, that's. He's uh, got the, Combo. Have you seen uh, Slender Man? That's like me. Um, <laughs> Except a lot less scary. Yeah, yeah. Minus yeah. the scare factor. You got that going for you. You got you got that, that friendly charisma. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. But I don't I don't want you to take that to heart so much that uh, you become disassociated. You you ever heard of this term? Yes. Uh, dis- but would my friendliness make me disassociate? I'm trying to I'm trying to decode what you just no. said. If I if I give you enough compliments, eventually you'll disassociate with my compliments. And I'll I will I? Oh, well, like I won't believe them anymore. You you'll become desensitized to them uh, to the degree that you will no longer associate yourself with those positive things. You got to sprinkle them on. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which leads into our the second part of our podcast here. Then unless you want to talk about something else that I have to do with with no geeks, please geeks. please continue. So, also from Julia, thank you so much. Uh, disassociation uh, as a broad concept uh, seems to be uh, the antithesis of, as you might have guessed, association. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it is it seems to be found in one of two categories. It could either A, be uh, a a, a, a negative term uh, in the psychological community uh, denoting uh, the separation from reality. Uh, disassociating with things around you could essentially mean that uh, you are unable to uh, recognize the value in you know people, relationships, uh, items that you once found were important to you mm-hmm. and that they have fallen by the wayside essentially. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, B, you have uh, a almost a state of higher mindfulness. Uh, there are a couple of Eastern religions that actually respect the aspect of disassociation as being uh, a state of spiritual enlightenment. Interesting. So w- which of these two do you think? Do you think you've ever experienced disassociation, first off? Uh, have I? think you've ever, ever gotten to the point where you're just kind of fed up, you're just kind of sick of it, you're not really interested anymore? Um, boring. When I hear it described in those words, I almost think of like a depression. 
Yeah, which I, I, I think that which I would say I have experienced. I guess I've just never thought of it in terms of disassociation. So I feel like I probably have experienced it to a lesser or greater form, but probably have just never used that vocabulary to discuss mm-hmm. it or think about it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Sure. Yeah, disassociation is kind of an unusual word in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would I would say I've I've probably experienced that before. Uh, on as small of a scale as eating too much, right? I think that that's one of the better ways to look at it. Okay. If you if you have a full pizza in front of you, let's say you get a mm-hmm. big old pizza, uh, dumb Windows Defender summary made classic of Windows. Jeez, messing up my podcast. I was on a roll. Uh, so I lost my train of thought. Uh, you're, you say talk, <laughs> talk about pizza. Pizza. So you got this big old pizza in front of you, right? And you eat that first piece of pizza. Very good piece of pizza. Second piece of pizza, it was pretty good. Not as good as the last. Third piece of pizza, all right, we're just trying to we're just trying to pig out. That fourth piece of pizza is pushing it. Fifth piece of pizza is kind of gross. Sixth is disgusting. Seventh, you probably just want to die. And eight is one of the, the worst experiences you might have had in your life okay. if somebody is still helping you cram it down your your fat fucking throat. Right. Um, so I think you have disassociated with that pizza somewhere around the fourth or fifth slice, okay. depending on your appetite, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this a problem in our world? Do you think that people are disassociating? Is this a common thing? Um. Would you would you consider like daydreaming and like not being uh, present like a form of disassociation where you're like not necessarily uh, I guess associating with your environment and you're yeah. disconnecting yeah. that way? Because, I'd say so because um, I don't know I feel like you know people probably do that relatively often uh, especially. Uh, depending on their work environment, if you have like a uh, a mindless job or something like that, I know that I would, uh, using this terminology, quote unquote, disassociate uh, relatively often when I was working a, in a grocery store, just because like, it, I mean, if I was like solely thinking about my task at hand, taking things off of a, a flat cart and putting it onto a shelf, like I yep. think I would be brain dead at this point. Like I don't think there would have been enough stimulus going into my brain in order to keep it running so i mean very often i would think about a wide collection of things such as why the hell am i working at a grocery store i have a college degree along with other things in order to uh, maintain sanity and also i mean sometimes you also deal with uh, rude customers so you kind of gotta you know separate yourself from Mm -hmm. yourself not take things so personally in yeah. order to uh, survive, for better or worse. Yeah, you got to recognize that the the things that those asshole customers say to you, as someone who works in the service industry, any, any type of negative comment, that you have to understand that that has just happened because they have a sense of entitlement, because they are a consumer. Mm-hmm. It's something that that the market will ultimately breed. Uh, you know, <laughs> the customer is always right. You have Absolutely. all of these things that are uh, that are able to be acquired for you as the customer as long as you have the money to pay for it. And that's the, the thought that's going to continually recycle. Uh, so remember that that's it's not you. Uh, you're you're not, uh, you know, some 
I don't know. What's what? What are some of the negative comments? Let's let's uh, let's open up some scars. Oh my from- gosh! And, and I, I don't remember all of them, obviously, and that's probably for like the best. But it's like uh, just like people like dumping their angst and like anger onto you when you're trying to like you know ask them how they're doing because that's like basically a job requirement unfortunately in the service industry they want you to act like you're these strangers best friends and sometimes people uh, don't want to interact with that so just people being uh, crummy in return even though you're putting your best foot forward and just um like acting like you are the entity uh of wherever you're working at like being like this is the third time I came to get this specific thing. I'm not going to shop here anymore. I'm going to go to uh, Whole Foods or whatever. And you're just like, okay, I don't right. really care, but... You got me. I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, And it's like people is getting like really shitty about weird things. Like, there was one time uh, there was like romaine lettuce that didn't look great. Because there had been like a drought in California, so the quality of the romaine lettuce we had was bad. And she was like, "Why does all of this romaine lettuce look so shitty?" Basically, just like <laughs> just like spitting venom at me, like about this romaine lettuce, as if there was something I could do about it. And I was just like, yeah. I, "I don't know." I, I would take a, you could take like one of the heads of romaine from her, like because I assume they come in little baggies. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like uh, kind of like spit a little bit on your sleeve, uh-huh. try to like shine it up oh, like it's. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> hand it back to her. Like, is that is that any better? Right. Do you like that? I'm I'm trying. You know, I, I did what I could. Exactly. Actually, let me let me just drive down to Arizona real quick, uh, and I will see if I can I can talk to one of them, make sure I can sort this out. Exactly. Because I'm definitely not uh, a minimum wage entry level worker. That's certainly not me. Exactly. Yeah. I have total control over everything you see inside and outside of this store. And I am, I, my, I am making this experience for you shitty just by being here. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just incredible. Like I, because I can't get inside that head because I don't think I've ever blamed any service worker for anything. Maybe even things that were responsible for just because it's just like, that thought just doesn't even enter my brain. So the fact that some people can do it, it just, I think it's uh, interesting. But that's because, you know, everybody at some point in their life should work in the service industry just for a little bit. Yeah, just, for just to understand what it's like. Mm-hmm. It, it would make the world a much better place. All of these people who are, are treating the service industry, uh, members of the service industry as being lesser humans, shame on you. Shame it, on you. And, and if you're doing that and you know how bad it is, like double shame. Yeah. Go to hell. Like just die. You're the worst scum on the planet. You don't need to be here. You're making everyone's life worse. And you know that you're making everyone's life worse. And if you don't know, you're a fucking psychopath and need to be put down like the dog you are. Seriously. Yeah. Watchman reference. Way to go, Jimmy. That's uh, that's another tick on your on your nerddom tracker there. Hey. That I'm yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, okay. Check marks. Thank you. Here. Nice. Uh, so as far as this dissociation is concerned and what causes it, uh, I think that there is a lack of mindfulness that is caused by instant gratification. We live yeah. in a world – we were just talking about tech. We were just talking about you know finding our own little niche thing, right? Mm-hmm. In our world in which we can constantly be entertained – we as millennials 
and younger generations that are being brought up, it's even more pertinent uh, for them to always be entertained uh, or at least always be occupied. That's probably a better way to put it. That's me too. Yeah. Cell phones are, well, smartphones. Smartphones are a ridiculously powerful tool. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be used to check Facebook or, you know, whatever type of new YouTube video that popped up. You know, we we don't necessarily recognize the great boon of technology that's been bestowed on our generation. And instead, we use it to make sure that we never have to feel bored. Yep. And we never have to feel that 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 ping of mindfulness, which is actually really good. Mm -hmm. It's it's really good for people to meditate. Apparently, if you are struggling with depression, Mm -hmm. that is touted as being one of the best ways to combat depression. Meditate. Think about it. What's interesting, I was talking with some friends about meditation not that long ago, and I've had these, I think, I feel like I've had this resonated before. I've had people more or less tell me that they don't like to meditate because the negative thoughts they experience when they meditate. It's like, it's like we keep our brains so constantly stimulated that once we remove stimuli, all these things we've kind of like forced underneath the surface kind of bubble up and i think because i meditate sometimes that you kind of got a little bubble up to the surface and then kind of evaporate right like if you allow your mind to think about them and you meditate for you know 10 20 minutes in my experience this might not be everyone's experience that they kind of eventually they kind of you know simmer out you, you think about it you you play it through to its ends and then you're like oh i'm gonna die anyways so what what's you know you don't worry about it as much but you know some people don't want to go un, uh, experience that uncomfortable stimulation that they uh forever long it takes for it to simmer out mm. that's right they they don't want to force themselves to to have to deal with that negative emotion mm-hmm. and not that not to say that meditation actually does that you would know better than me and apparently you've had a lot more experience with it do you regularly meditate? Not regularly, and I could probably do better. I do think it's good, and it's and I don't have like any like specific like kind of meditation I do. I don't even do like the sitting up in a cross-legged position. Me, it's usually just laying down with the lights off, you and and just like having my eyes closed and just. Like trying not to think about stuff. It's that's when focusing on my breathing and stuff like that. And then sometimes yeah. I might literally, like, if I get relaxed enough, fall asleep. And I think that's okay. I, <laughs> I, I mean, if I get, if I can face my, because I have a hard time sleeping sometimes at night. If I can get relaxed enough with my subconscious that I inadvertently fall asleep, I think you know, kudos to me. Uh, I don't know if other people that do more hardcore, um, to put in air quotes, hardcore meditation where it's like you must sit upright, you must have like this bunch or whatever and say it to yourself over and over again uh, if they would respect my form of meditation. But, uh, you know, I think it's whatever works for you is what you should do. Yeah. Some people meditate and meditation is a that that is a subject for its own podcast. We could true. talk about meditation for a long time. It, 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 it is an, an in-depth conversation that I think has not had enough uh, scientific study behind it. Well, would you say meditation as a form of disassociation, though, if you think about it? it? It very well could be, but that might also be 
veering into the realm of positive disassociation uh, from the religious aspect that we we just talked about. Or I won't even say religious. Let's say spiritual. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be a little bit better. That is a different form of association in the sense that uh, I think the context denotes one of disassociation with negative things, mm-hmm. kind of like the way in which you disassociate whenever you are working in the service industry. Right. It's actually a, a, a positive adaptation that you have learned to keep yourself from being hurt by these people's right. evil comments. So that's, that's disassociation in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to make sure that if we are meditating, we are, we are attaining that, not necessarily meditating because let's say we have a crying child in the background and we don't want to deal with it right away. Mm-hmm. So instead we choose to meditate, that's disassociation in the, in the negative sense that where you're withdrawing from these, these things that are obviously calling to you mm-hmm. and that need your attention, right. but you're distracting yourself or, you know, you have that, that paper that you're working on. You have a big homework assignment that's coming up mm-hmm. and instead you go and surf YouTube. Right. That's going to cause you a lot of problems down the road. And that's that form of negative uh, disassociation that is going to push you farther down that rabbit hole of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And so be very careful that, that that's not happening. I, I think that uh, we could also bring up uh, in, in, in terms of spirituality or religion, there are a lot of people in this world that have been brought up to believe one thing or the other. And there are a lot of very good beliefs out there and a lot of good uh, spiritual and religious teachings. Sometimes people will be so indoctrinated or they, they will essentially be forced into this type of belief system to such a degree that when they get to a certain age of realization and break themselves out of that cycle, they disassociate simply as a matter of fact, run of the mill, everyday way of life. It it becomes natural to them because they were brought up in an environment that was so all encompassing that whenever they do get out of it, their only natural their only natural adaptation is going to be to disassociate with everything that either relates to that topic or could possibly have been affected by that topic. Like, what would be an example? Let's say that uh, you were brought up to be uh, uh, someone who follows an extremely unusual and rigorous diet. Let's say that your parents wanted you to eat only uh, green foliage that was picked on Tuesdays. Okay. So over time, if they have drilled this into you so hard up until let's say you're, you know, you're 15 years old and they've homeschooled you up until this point and yada, yada, yada. And you go out and you have Mm -hmm. a public school lunch for the first time. Uh, or, you know, I, I sincerely doubt that those parents would send you to school without your own lunch. But let's say eventually you experience the alternative. That's going to really, that's going to put a damper on things. You know, if if you've been able to survive on that, uh, and that's something that's Mm -hmm. been good for you and your first experience with anything outside of that was bad, then I don't know, maybe that's going to strengthen your resolve a little bit. But I think nine times out of 10, whenever Mm -hmm. someone has a particularly oppressive belief, that they're forcing on someone who is is much younger or impressionable, and they mm-hmm. find that there is an alternative to that belief system, it's mm-hmm. going to cause them to look at that belief system with at, at least a little bit of derision, mm-hmm. or you know a, a bit of uh, you know a, 
yeah. a degree of experience that is going to cause them to disassociate with that particular type of belief. Right. Be like, what? I've been lied to. I feel like you've been bamboozled. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Uh, uh-huh. Well, to, to reference a, a television show, anybody who's a who's a, a Rick and Morty fan out there, uh, Rick and Morty is an excellent cartoon, yeah. by the way. Uh, it is for adult audiences, so take that for what you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All you kids more, listening to this, don't listen. Don't watch Rick and Morty. Yeah. Don't don't listen. To that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it's probably the least of problems if you're listening to a podcast, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is one episode in which. Um, Morty, one of the uh, titular characters, is raising an alien child, and because there's a possibility that this alien child could be dangerous to the world around them, Morty tells this child that if he goes outside, the oxygen uh, that is in the atmosphere will kill him. It's poisonous. And of course, you know, once he grows up a little bit, he rushes out the door. And he has this this meltdown where he thinks that everything has been a lie mm-hmm. as he's he's grown up. You remember when he's running down the street and he's he's yelling all these yeah. like these conspiracy theories and he's like, you know, everything that I've known has been a lie. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what I'm trying to get across yeah. here. No, I, I give no, that makes sense. I mean, uh, your the example worked. I I get you now. That makes I, I can see that. Cool. Um, with yeah. all of that in mind, uh, can we think any? Well, I guess we've already kind of discussed the positive aspects of disassociation uh, and how you can use it as a survival technique when you're in uh, hard situations. Um, yep. Do we yep, yep. did we already discuss positive outlets of nerd things becoming cool? Like what? I don't know. I'm just. Uh, I I was just trying to uh, sum up um, this positive oh. things. Well, uh, I guess. It would be as simple as saying, like, it's okay to be a nerd. Yeah. And don't let, don't let anybody disparage you for for anything. It's a good thing to disassociate with. <laughs> Everyone's nerdy about something. Yep. What? And once you yeah. find that thing that you're nerdy about, congrats. You've made it. You've made it. Uh, yeah. And find supposed to other people. For something like that that you're so interested in. I actually feel sorry for those people out there that are unable to find something that genuinely interests them. Yeah, I feel like there's so much stuff out there. You don't really have an excuse anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, and they, it could be because you're you're so deeply entrenched with this this state of disassociation. Mm-hmm. But there's always a way out. There's always a way that you can you can focus on the positives. You can meditate. You can focus your mind. You just have to make active steps, little tiny goals, mm-hmm. and those successes each day will ultimately add up to bigger things that you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. You can start a new hobby. You can you can go and be a, a, a you know an, an athlete or learn how to uh, do a new trade. You can do all these things if you would just take a little bit of time out of your day to think about how you're going to do it. Yeah, it's possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Uh, okay, so well, let's let's wrap this up a little bit. Is there anything that you've been sad about lately, Jimmy? Uh, besides puking on my phone. No. Yes. But I f- don't puke on your phone. I feel like Jimmy got, yeah. Jimmy got sick. I got sick. I, I feel like I can't just say that. So just to give a little context, the, the short version of it is drank too much, woke up the next day, didn't know where my phone was, went to go dump out my puke bucket. My phone was in the <laughs> puke bucket. 
And <laughs> uh, but good news is my my phone still works. So shout out to uh, Otterboxes. Um, I guess you're amazing because my sponsor us. Yeah, sponsor us, Otterbox. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> I will be your show person. I will I will sing your praises forever because I, my phone shouldn't be working and it works great. So uh, so just a little self shame there. Phone from Duke. <laughs> That's all I got to be um, sad about. Okay. Only thing to be sad about. Uh, I am sad about Trump saluting a foreign military uh, opponent. That's I, dumb. I'm, I don't even know. I don't know Why anything. Would you, do <laughs> you know that they're just going to like take a picture of that? Oh, this po- look like, hey, look, you know, Commander-in-Chief of America yeah. is saluting uh, our, our leader, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's legit. I think even if we, if, if America doesn't get anything about these North Korean talks, I think Kim Jong-un has gotten so much just by all the nice shit Trump's saying for whatever reason about him. Yeah. Like, their national, like, television can run that for the next, like, 5,000 years and make him oh, look yeah. great. Yeah, they're solid. Uh, yeah. Cheap. I, well, uh... This is what doesn't make any fucking sense to me. We we had we had an anti-nuclear fucking treaty with Iran that was working. By all accounts, was working, and based on all the knowledge that we have, was keeping them from obtaining nuclear weapons. But for some reason, we scrapped that, and now we're like kissing north korea's ass because maybe 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 like no assured agreements maybe we'll get them to sign a treaty it doesn't make any fucking sense yeah i don't i don't get it either i, I think he's just trying to make a business deal uh, probably know. trying to get like put like a trump tower in like north korea or something like yep yep it, it's great real estate <laughs> it's just it's just so nonsensical like it just it doesn't translate. It's and, you know, in from North Korea standpoint, like why would they sign a treaty with us when we literally like not very many months ago, like two months ago, just like flushed a treaty down the toilet of a similar nuclear treaty? Like it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, on any side, it doesn't make any sense. Oh man. <sighs> so now that we're all good and sad. What's the uh, silver lining? Silver lining <laughs> yeah. for that. <laughs> You like that was an aggressive silver lining for I mean, mean? my phone works. So that's the silver lining for my sadness. Um, The silver lining for that other stuff, uh, I guess, regardless of the tactics Trump is taking, uh, we haven't been able to get North Korea to agree to any kind of talks for the last forever Uh, so at least there is a conversation happening, whether or not it will be productive. Uh, I guess we will find out. Uh, I mean, I, I don't care who accomplishes, um, any form of, uh, peace with, uh, North Korea, you know, Trump, if Trump somehow is the man to do it, you know, cool. Kudos to him, but I, I will hold my thoughts and opinions and feelings until something actually happens. Sure. Yeah, well, and and that remains to be seen. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. All right. On that note. So how about it? Yeah. Other than that, doing all right. You know? mm-hmm. Things are good. The world hasn't so, ended yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's right. That going for not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, All right. So I think that's that's about it for this episode. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for joining in. We appreciate you listening in. Where can they find us, Jimmy? They can find us at Facebook at Cynic Empowerment. We have a page there, and if you like it, you'll know when all of our new episodes release. And if you have a suggestion, you can email us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. Yes, please, please, please do. We love suggestions. We like them. We, we can produce content that you would like to hear. Yes. So please, please, please do that. Tim and I uh, have a lot to say, but we don't always know what to say it about. So your emails give us guidance. True words. <laughs> true words. So everybody, keep your head up, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, everybody, catch you next time.